Grace to God's people today, more than conquerors through him who loved you, from Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Well, last week I began a sermon series with you on spiritual warfare, and we looked at how we are fighting a war as Christians on three fronts, against our sinful flesh, against the world, and against the devil, Satan, the evil one, and evil spirits. And uh, today I'd like to look with you at facing temptations in this war and conquering them, how to triumph, resist, and triumph over temptation in our lives. For we all have temptations. Some are easier to dispatch. Usually they're harder. It's a hard fight. It's a difficult one. And so today I want to talk with you about triumphing over them, and in particular by looking with you at the story of a great temptation in the Bible, Genesis chapter 39, the temptation of Joseph. And so to begin, uh, let's just get an overview by, by looking and reading here in Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him for, from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he had to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he, the Lord had blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in house and field. Then we read, Now Joseph was handsome and good-looking, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. Would you say that's a temptation? I think we got the right text. This is a temptation to sexual immorality, to adultery with Potiphar's wife. And Joseph had it right there, handed to him on a silver platter. She says, Lie with me. Now, there's all kinds of temptations we face in life. There's temptations to greed to coveting, to lying, to cheating, uh, and to pride, and looking down on other people and such. I want you to know that we're going to talk today about overcoming and triumphing over temptation with respect to adultery, with sexual immorality. But what, we're going to, what God's going to teach us today here in his word through this, through this passage of his holy scripture is going to apply to all temptations that you might face because they all work pretty much the same and triumph over them works the same as well. So let's take a look and see what God would teach us in his book, in this story about Joseph. Now, we read here, once again, that she said, lie with me. What do we read here? Is, what do we learn here is that God teaches us here, first off, is that temptations in life to sin are sure to come. They came to Joseph. And they will come to you. After a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. Would you call that a temptation? Well, it won't be long in your life before you're tempted as well. It'll probably be today. might even be during this service. And it'll be tomorrow as well. Do you know that Joseph was tempted in this case? And so were all the greats of the Bible. Moses was tempted, Daniel was tempted, Job and Peter and Paul 
Do you know that even Jesus, our Lord, the King himself, had to face temptation? We read there in our reading from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If Jesus himself had to face the tempter, don't think you'll escape without ever having to be tempted. And so the first thing God teaches us today, temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to him by whom they come, says our Lord Jesus. So be on guard, be alert. You will have to face and apply this sermon even today. Second thing God teaches us here is that temptation to sin in life is not itself a sin. What do we read here once again? This is super important. Joseph was handsome and apparent in a form and appearance. And after a time, the master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me, have sex with me, go to bed with me, she says. Verse 8, though, says, but he refused. And so Joseph didn't sin just by being tempted. And here, I think, is a super important point for us to lay hold of and mark today. Because the devil, one of his greatest strategies and tricks against us, I think, is to tempt us. And then to quickly tell us that that temptation was a sin and to throw us into despair. It's like he unnotches one of his arrows back here in his quiver puts it over here and he puts an adulterous thought or a lustful thought or a blasphemous thought and it flits past your mind like an arrow. Then he quickly takes another flaming arrow, fires another one right after it and it says, you're guilty. Look, you've sinned, you've sinned, you've sinned. God must, be, must hate you. Look at how bad of a person you are. See how he does that? Hasn't that happened to you? You feel bad just because you were tempted. Don't let the devil strike you down by that ruse of battle. That's just a trick. Temptations to sin are sure to come, number one. Number two, the temptation itself to be tempted is not a sin. It's not a sin just to have a quick enticing feeling for a moment when a temptation comes to you. If you had no such feeling, it wouldn't be a temptation, would it? And so it's not a sin. Uh, James says, in his letter, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That's the temptation. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. In other words, when you grab it, when you go after that temptation, when you lay hold of it and start to bite it, that's sin for which you need to repent. And then sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do you know that Jesus himself, again, he was tempted but it was without sin. He didn't ever grab it, yield it, bite it, or anything like that. It's not a sin to be tempted. Just like if you're fishing. It's not that that fish is not bound until he bites the hook. He might see the worm. It might look enticing to him and attractive. But until he bites it, he's not in bondage. And so also Luther, Martin Luther says, where he, he kind of pictured his head like a tree. And he says, temptations like birds are flying around the tree. You cannot stop the birds from flying around your tree, but you can keep them from making nests in your branches. So, to be tempted, don't let the devil strike you down as if you're a bad person simply because you're tempted. In fact, it's your glory to fight it, okay? Your Lord himself had to, your king had to fight it too. Thirdly, understand God says that with the temptation there will be a great strong attraction 
to it for you. Don't underestimate the power of the tempter and the temptation. Let's not make light of Joseph's struggle here. Now, you might say, ah, but Potter's first wife, come on, man, she was an old hag. She was probably old, past her prime, beyond the flower of her youth, and so it was easy. He would have resisted, I would have resisted too. <laughs> but, you say, she was a dog. Well, I'll tell you, son, she, if she were a dog, she was probably a fox, this woman. If you'll consider with me, who was this woman? The Bible doesn't tell us specifically what she looked like, but she's Potiphar's wife. Who's Potiphar? <clears throat> Captain of the guard. In other words, he is like Pharaoh's star quarterback, and you all know what quarterbacks' wives look like. <clears throat> quarterback's girlfriend. He could have had any pretty woman in Egypt he wanted, and he chose her. And she was perhaps the most ravaging of beauties. And she came to entice him. Notice, when she comes at one point, she finds him alone. She grabs his coat and says, lie with me. This woman is young, attractive probably, and aggressive. And she probably didn't come wearing a winter coat, hat, and mittens. <laughs> alone in the house, she finds him to bring him into bed at that instant. She says, right now is the time. Nobody's here. My bed's prepared. Let's go. So she probably came quite revealed voluptuously, breast-wise and all the other aspects of her body. This was a real temptation, and God is telling us by this, don't underestimate the power of the enticements of the tempter, of the attraction to sin. Don't underestimate those things. But secondly, we realize, or, or fourthly, I mean, don't underestimate the relentless onslaught of sin. Notice it says here that he refused. She said, lie with me. But he refused, verse 8. Verse 10, and as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Day after day after day after day, this voluptuous, hot woman is coming on to him and trying to wear him down. God teaches us by this, if you've overcome a temptation today, don't think it won't be knocking at your door again tomorrow. Or that you're a bad person because it does knock at your door. You defeat it in triumph today, it's there tomorrow. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. And in fact, you remember that story of the frog. You can put a frog into a pot of water, turn up the heat slowly, and cook the frog. He won't jump out because the heat is turned up slowly on him. That's what she's trying to do to this guy. Seduce Joseph day after day, little by little, chipping away at his virtue. But if you put a frog into a pot of boiling water, he'll jump out. But turn it up slowly, and you can cook him alive. And she said to him day after day these kinds of words, like from Proverbs 9, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But then the next verse of the God's word says, But he doesn't know that the dead are there, and that our guests are in the depths of Sheol. And Proverbs 7 says of the loose woman, with much seductive speech she persuades him, with her smooth talk she compels him. All at once he follows her and goes as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a deer is caught fast until an arrow pierces his entrails. 
or as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Well, Joseph is resisting this. But don't you be uh, unaware or underestimate the power of sin or its continual day after day bombardments of you. It's going to keep doing that for me, for you, for all of us. God says, just beware and be on guard. Remember, Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's not strange of his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. She wants to make this look good. It is sweet. It's going to be fun to be with me, she says. And so is every temptation. It looks like candy, but it has a bitter aftertaste. There's death in it, says the word of God. And Joseph was tempted to bite, uh, but he did not. Now, let's get to the good part of this sermon, as if this wasn't already pretty interesting to you. How can we overcome temptation in our lives? And what does God teach us through the story of Joseph? What did he do? Well, first of all, God teaches us, note that he saw the temptation exactly for what it was, death. Now, temptation looks good. This woman looked good. Just like if you're a little fish swimming along through the sea and you see a, a worm dangling in midwater. It looks beautiful to you. Oh, what a tasty, juicy morsel. I think I'll bite it. But a Christian sees it for what it is. No, I see there's a hook beyond this worm. And if I bite it, it'll be my doom. It'll be my destiny to be destroyed. Notice what Joseph does here. But Joseph refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of, my, of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he's put everything in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, except that he's kept back you from me because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I ask you, you tell me, where was Joseph's eyes at that moment? On this woman's breasts or on, this woman, or, or on or in his God? He was looking at his God, and that's the way he saw clearly. And that's the way by God's word he saw clearly. He says, if I did that, that would be a sin and wickedness against my God. He saw the temptation for what it was. It was there to destroy him. And Satan's always going to make every temptation for us look delightfully good. And he's going to try to hide the danger from our eyes. The wary fish, the Christian, sees not the worm, but the hook and says, I'm out of here, go in the other direction, because we see the hook. What did Joseph see when he saw this beautiful woman, Potiphar's wife, coming on to him like this, throwing herself at him? Proverbs 11 says, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. <laughs> when you're at the uh, Publix later today, or Walmart or something, and you see the woman on the Cosmopolitan magazine or whatever it is, and she's looking voluptuous and beautiful. Do you see the gold ring? Sure, she looks pretty, but do you see that she's in a pig snout? Is that what you actually look at? Do you see the hook? It's there to destroy you. And we also read, let your heart not turn aside your ways, says Proverbs. Don't stray into her paths, for many a victim she's laid low. Yea, all her slain are a mighty host. Her house goes to the way of the Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Is that how you see it when you look at a sin? This, that would lead me down into the chambers of death. I dare not go to that bed. Can you see a beautiful woman this way, as did Joseph? And do you look to God in your temptations? I 
think about um, how my dog resists the temptation to bite a juicy piece of chicken or beef or some other treat or cookie on the floor. I've trained Gracie, my yellow lab. She's very smart, but she loves food. I can take a nice thing and wave it in front of her. Well, I wouldn't do that. Huh, maybe I would, but not for this sermon. It wouldn't work. And I say, Gracie, and I'll toss the meat right down next to her in front of her face, and I'll say, leave it. And you know what she does? She focuses right on me at that moment. She hears my word, wants to keep my word, obey it, and her eyes are fixed on me. But occasionally she goes like this. And she'll look down to that meat, but she keeps her eyes back up on me as quickly as she can with a, a, a very clear, penetrating gaze. And then as she does so, if I wait long enough, I'll see appearing by her mouth a drool. <laughs> it will come down like this, like when you stretch out pizza that's very warm. And it goes all the way to the floor, but she's got her eyes on me. And then eventually I say, Gracie, okay. And then she bites it and eats it. That's how we overcome temptation. That's how Joseph did it as well. He kept his eyes on his master. And by keeping the word and waiting for the master's word. And when God says you can eat, then you can eat and enjoy it. And God tells us that for our good. In other words, in this case, wait till you're married. Be married and then enjoy your wife. Enjoy the feast. And our wife, enjoy your husband. But in this case, keep your eyes on me. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? Embrace the bosom of an adventuress, Proverbs 5. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he's lost. So see the hook, and you see it by looking to God, right? Next point for overcoming temptation. Point two is rebuke it. Speak out against it and fight it with your own verbal words. For this is what Joseph does. She said, lie with me. It says, but he refused and said to his master's wife, how can I do this? Notice he spoke to her. He resisted it with his words. And notice what Jesus did in the wilderness when he was contending with the tempter himself. Usually we're probably just contending with demons. Jesus had the, the king of darkness himself, the devil. And he said, if you're the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And then again, he says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. It is said, it is written, in other words, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. It is written, it is written, with a strong rebuke, it is written. And he drove the devil away, and the devil departed to a later time, an opportune time. So do you do that? Do you think you can speak against these things? Speak against that? Remember, when you get into a rebuking of the sin, use the word of God against the temptation. Don't get into a conversation with the devil about whether it's right or wrong. He will turn you upside down in every which way from Sunday until you eventually see it as good and he'll hide the hook because he's a master fisherman. Rather, speak to it the word of God, a sharp word, and rebuke it as did Jesus. And in this case, Joseph. Third thing you can do is run. <laughs> Get out of there. Put on your holy sneakers and light it out of there. We read here in Genesis 39, she spoke to Joseph day after day, and he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, 
when he was, went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house. By the way, notice, temptation comes to you, especially when you're alone. Beware. She said, grabbed hold of his garment, saying, lie with me. Wow, this woman's aggressive. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. He hightailed it out of there. He didn't stay in this case to discuss the situation. He ran. And I want you to know it is not a cowardly thing, God says, for you to run. Run, he says. Get out of there. Get out of that situation. And what does that mean for you? Well, if, uh, if we are tempted in any case, men, to sexual immorality or sexual immoral, immoral adulterous thoughts, then that means don't hang out on the beach at college break, right? When there's a bunch of 18 to 20 year old beautiful women in bikinis, which by the way, research says men, when they see a bikini, see less than underwear. And I want women to understand that it's socially acceptable in our day, but God says, be modest, uh, be mature, because if you accentuate your positive and you eliminate the negative, men are gonna latch onto with affirmative and they won't mess with Mr. In-Between. That's just the way men are designed. We're designed to be visually excited. So uh, be modest. And so it also means if you are uh, attempted to abuse alcohol, don't hang out at a bar, right? If you are uh, attempted to be negative or to worry in your life, don't watch the news. <laughs> Run. Run, says God. Flee. Get out of there. Don't be in the midst of a place where you're going to be tempted. Just put on your holy sneakers and run. It's a holy thing to do. Just light it out of there. And the good word we have for that in 1 Corinthians 10 is, no temptation's overtaken you that is not common to men, to all people. God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In other words, when you run, God's going to give you an, a, 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 an exit. He says, run for the exit sign and get out of there. I'll provide a way of escape for you. You'll never be trapped. I'll always open a door for you to get out if you'll take it. And so let's take it. And also, one more thing I might say about that is beware, especially when you're tired. Uh, just as an aside here, the devil, the tempter, came to Jesus at the end of 40 days after he'd been fasting at his weakest point. And often, when are you most tempted to speak a bad word to your spouse or do something bad? When you're tired at the end of the day, you're exhausted, you have no strength left, and then the tempter comes to you and says, ah, take a look at this picture. Ah, have this thought. Put this word in your mouth. Beware of those kinds of times and run again. Whatever you need to do. And then, fourth, you can also make the temptation run away from you by prayer. Because every temptation... Well, let's say some of them, well, they are coming from our sinful lusts and flesh in our heart, right? But they are being inspired by a demon, a tempter. Jesus, uh, the devil is called a tempter. And so if you pray, that's going to make him run away. Jesus says, why do you sleep, disciples? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Lead us not into temptation. We're praying to be delivered from the evil one and especially use Jesus' name. Because if there's a demon that's tempting you to something sinful and you say, ah, oh, God, deliver me in Jesus' name, oh, they can't stand that name. 
and they will light it out of there just as fast as you wanted to light it out of there too. That's a good thing. And also praise. Praise God in the midst of your temptation. Start turning your eyes to your Heavenly Father. I picture it sort of like a hawk. You know how they get chased by these harassing crows sometimes, a whole band of them coming after him? But then he rises higher and higher into the sky until they eventually can't follow him, perhaps you could say, and he's lost in the upper glory of the skies. That's something we can do too, is praise God and turn our hearts to praise. And remember, Joseph suffered for this even when he did the right thing. She cries, adultery, adultery, and he's thrown into prison. But God rewarded him for triumphing over temptation for his righteousness. Because we see there that in due course, in due time, God remembered Joseph and exalted him to the right hand of Pharaoh. And he was on the throne over all of Egypt, right next to Pharaoh. And Jesus and God say to you in your temptations, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the tests, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. So there's a reward for triumphing. That's a good thing, an incentive too. And finally, we've all been tempted. Amen? Amen. We've all failed. Amen? When we've all sinned. We've all fallen to the tempter under his attacks at times. But I'll tell you, God has provided the way of escape to eternal salvation in life through Jesus Christ. It is written, none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but now they're justified by God's grace as a gift. That comes through Jesus. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and we receive his redemption, his salvation by faith. It says there in Romans 3. And we have a, we have a Savior, friends, who is a high priest who is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He can do it because he was tempted in every respect as we are, yet he never sinned. He himself has, because he's been suffered and been tempted, he is able now to help those who are tempted. And he can help you. He will help you. He's faithful. I've said these things to you, says Jesus, that in me, in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And it's through Jesus and the spirit of the living God and his word inside of us by which we triumph over the temptations of the tempter, and God will crush him under our feet. So we'll end with a praise to our great God who loves us and helps us. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you without blemish before the presence of his glory with rejoicing to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to him be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.